All right. Good morning, church. So good to have you guys with us. And if you were dozing off there, we just had a video there to wake you up with that loud beginning. And I hope you're all with us and tuned in and able to hear me okay. Haven't burst your eardrums or not. But uh, happy Resurrection Sunday to all of you. He is risen. He is risen indeed, and I pray and trust that you are experiencing the great life that we have in Jesus here today. I just got to say again, we miss you all. It is strange having service here in an empty sanctuary, but we're thankful again that we can stay connected as we are and that we have the joy of just being with Jesus right where we are because he is alive, and what a great day this is together. Now, It has been an interesting year to begin with, hasn't it? And we're only three months in. I mean, just about that, right? What a year it has been. We have faced many challenges, and and most of us have never had to face these kinds of things in our lifetime before, never have expected to face anything like what we're going through right now. These are times that can easily make us feel overwhelmed, defeated, deflated, As you can see, I desperately need a haircut, and I'm looking forward to that. I think my wife is going to give me a haircut today, so please pray for me. Not that I'm worried with her having scissors around me, but uh, I don't think she's ever done this before, so we're going to try something new, I think. So, But it has been a strange time for us all. And like I say, these are times that can easily cause us to feel a little discouraged, overwhelmed, defeated, but this day is a day to remind us that nothing can rob us of our ultimate victory. And that's what I want to talk about here today, our victory. We all like those victorious moments, those times where we feel that whatever might be against us, that nothing can stop us. We all love those movies, don't we, where, you know, the underdog rises to the challenge and against all odds stands victorious in the end. Right now you're thinking of movies that you've seen where that is the case, whether it be Rudy or Karate Kid. I grew up with Karate Kid, the first version, and boy, just thinking about those just send chills up your spine, just thinking about it. It's exciting stuff. I remember in my younger days, one of my best friends that I was growing up with, still a good friend today, he was a a judo master, all right? He had been in judo for much of his life. He'd been a Canadian championships and won gold in his division. So back in grade eight, I decided I'm going to follow in his footsteps. I'm going to take up judo. And I really took quite naturally to it. I was pretty confident in it, felt very good with it. And before long, I was ready for my first tournament. I was really nervous, but optimistic. My first match saw me take my opponent and just kind of play around with him like a mouse cornered by a cat and just kind of knocking this thing around. And I just felt pretty good here. I gave this guy a throw, got him down the mat, a throw that I'd kind of mastered and I've used hundreds of times on my kids since. But I got him down the mat and then I was feeling pretty good in the match. And then before I knew it, he kind of overturned the position, got on top of me, held me down, and ended up outscoring me and winning the match. I was really discouraged at that. Probably not the greatest illustration right now for talking about victory here, but I do got to say that I finished third. I got the bronze medal in that tournament. And uh, um, now there were only three people in my division, but um, nevertheless, true story, nevertheless, 
you know, we learn some things through these times here. But here's the thing I want to talk about is, is this victory that we have today. Now, my, my desire to communicate with you today is that whatever we're facing or whatever we're going through, we know that we can stand in victory today because of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for us. That's what we celebrate today. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. He's defeated sin, death. He's, he's defeated the grave. He is alive and he's at work today in our lives. You, you may feel like an underdog. You might feel like you are up against insurmountable odds. But these become opportunities to have the power of God at work in your life. And the, and the victory is yours as you stand in Jesus Christ. I want to read to you just what um, Paul says. This isn't going to be our, our text here. But look at what, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 20. That the God of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us, who believe according to the working of His mighty power, notice this, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So here's the reality that Paul is praying for the saints in Ephesus that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave will be at work in your life and it can be as we stand in Christ and see the great victory and blessing that we have in and through the Lord in all of our situations and circumstances. I'm so glad for that. Through Jesus, we have victory. And I want us to look at a familiar passage in Romans this morning that we're going to walk through and let it feed our souls today. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to be camped out on here primarily, but we're going to look at some other scriptures. And here's what we're going to look at. I want to look at our victory today in three ways. First of all, our victory is a matter of fact. Our victory is a matter of finality. And our victory is a matter of faith. Those are the things I want to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. And we're going to spend some time looking at our victory. So starting in verse 31, Romans 8, verse 31, it says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall they not with them also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Let me stop right there. Now, Romans chapter 8 is one of the most glorious chapters of the Bible. If you haven't read through it lately, I encourage you just to read through that chapter because throughout this chapter, Paul's been, you know, he's taking us on a great journey to the mountaintop to declare the blessings that we enjoy because of Jesus. We see in, in verse 1 of chapter 8 that we're no longer condemned. We see that the righteous requirements of the law have been fulfilled in us through Jesus. We see that we've been given the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We see that all things will work together for the good to those that love God and are the call according to His purposes. 
We see in verse 30 that we've been predestined, justified, and glorified. And he's speaking that in present tense, not in a future tense, that it's already done. Justified and glorified. So with these things in mind, Paul says, what more can we say? He starts out there in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? He's kind of like saying, what else can we add to all this? I mean, it's already right up there on the mountaintop where we're just seeing the glories that we have in and through Jesus. And, and don't misunderstand this here. Paul isn't asking a question based on potential. Well, what can we say? He's speaking now uh, uh, of a question of certainty. He's laying this out to say, listen, it's already wrapped up now, complete, full in Jesus. He's not so much saying, if God is for us, he's saying, since God is for us, and since God is for us, then who can be against us? Who can be against us? And this is what we want to look at here today, because right now, I'm sure that we are all experiencing things that are coming against us, right? Now, in Paul's day, he might be thinking of various people out to take him down, governments that were opposing Christianity, and I'm sure many other things Paul could have brought to mind. For us today, the list can be numerous as well of the things that might be against us. In fact, many of us might be grappling right now with things that we might find are bringing discomfort, difficulty, or dismay. Things that we could say, this seems to be going against me. We can all sit in that spot and think through these things. So when the question goes out, who can be against us? Many of us can probably answer, well, listen, I can think of a few things right now off the top of my head. Do you have about half an hour? An hour, right? But the issue is not who or what can be against us, but rather who or what can be against us. It's not who. Paul's not trying to say, what is there against you? He's saying, what can possibly be against you in light of all that we have in Jesus? And the clear answer is nothing. Nobody. Nada. There's nothing that can come against you to oppose you, to take you down and rob you of victory that you can have as you stand in a resurrected Savior in Jesus Christ. And, and Paul wants to outline that for us here very clearly. Because we see that God is for us. God is for us. Now, how can you know that God is for you? We know this because, notice what it says in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also Freely give us all things. You see, we know that God is for us because he gave his very son for you. God is for you because he has invested heavily already in you. If you want to know how God is for you, just look to the cross. Don't look at your circumstances. You look to the cross to see what God did to secure for you your salvation and life and victory in and through Jesus. He's done it all for you. Paul's argument, you see, is from the, the greater to the lesser. If God would do the greater work in giving up his son to die on a cross, to forgive you of, his, uh, of your sin, so that you can walk in newness of life, if God would do the greater thing, how much more will he do now the lesser thing? Everything else is just easy peasy. Do, do you see what Paul is saying here? Now, 
How about you today? How many of you would like the Lord perhaps to do a work, do something in your life? How many of you are going through trials and you're, you're calling out for God to help you right now? Well, here's the thing. He's done the greatest thing for us. So how much more will he not do the simpler or lesser thing for you? The rest is just a piece of cake. And he's not giving you all things with strings attached. Do you see that there in verse 32? He's not saying, well, if you will do this. No, he's given you this freely, right? How, how shall they not with them also freely give us all things? Because the very work of giving Jesus was a, a work of grace. It was freely given. And when we begin to see what we have in the Lord, when we begin to walk in just greater victory, and we see that it's been secured for us, look at verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Now, we might not always feel like we're walking in victory because we have one who is accusing us. Revelation 12 verse 10 calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. Satan is there before God trying to trip us up, bring us down, trying to say, listen, God, this person doesn't, doesn't deserve your salvation. This person doesn't deserve grace. And he's right, we don't. But you see, just as we have an accuser, we also have an advocate, Jesus Christ. Whom Paul says now, he came, he died, and furthermore is also risen. And that's important. Because not only did Jesus die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, which we're so thankful for, but he rose again. It shows that the work that he did was was accepted. It was valid. It, It took, in other words... And that through faith in him, we have life. So when Paul says, who is he who condemns? Well, we got to ask that question now. Not just so much who is he who condemns, but who is he who can condemn? Because it says there, it is, it is God who justifies. Or, or who shall bring a charge against us? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. So what Paul is kind of missing out there, when we read that, it kind of sounds clunky, but what Paul is is implying here is, if you put those words, no one, because. So who is he who brings a charge to God's act? No one, because it is God who justifies. Who is he who, who condemns? No one, because it is Christ who died and furthermore has also risen. Jesus has done the work for us so that there's no longer any condemnation held against us. And he died and, and he rose again showing that this work is complete and he is alive and he is able to give life to us. And not only is he able to give life to us, but notice what it also says there, and I love this. It says that he's there at the right hand interceding. He's interceding for us. I'm so glad for that. Because there are times where we might feel like, man, how am I going to make it through this? How am I going to handle this? Oh, I'm thankful for the life that, that Jesus has given me. But man, how does that relate or connect to what I'm dealing with right now? But do you understand that because Jesus is alive, he is active and at work in your life right now to ensure and provide the victory for you. He is interceding for you right now. And I'll tell you, I need all the intercession I can get. 
Because I'm weak and I'm frail. I'm, I'm very capable of tripping up. But when I realized that Jesus is not just alive, and not just alive and rose from the dead and now is abandoned me. No, he is interceding for me. He's interceding for you. He is alongside helping you in your time of need to ensure the victory for you. You see, our first point is that our victory is a matter of fact. And it's a matter of fact because we know that Jesus is alive. This isn't something that we're just kind of hopeful in or wishful thinking about. This is something that we know to be true. As he was resurrected, he appeared before his disciples. He appeared up to before 500 people at once. This was more than just some illusion by a, one person or two. Again, the evidence is so clear that Jesus is alive. And not only alive, but he's at work in your life here today. And as he's interceding in heaven... I'm so glad that there's no social distancing, there's no quarantining going on, no business shutdown. He's at work today. And he's accomplishing his purposes and his will, and he's praying for you to walk in victory. I love what, what Robert Murray McSheen said. He said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. And he's praying for you today. Distance makes no difference. Whether he's in heaven or right beside you. And he's right here with us. Through his spirit at work in our lives. So you can just see Paul becoming strengthened and excited as he thinks through these things. Look at what we see as we read on in verse 35. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul himself was going through much tribulation. You might be thinking, saying, well, Paul, it's easy for you to talk about these things, man. You didn't have to go through what we're going through. Oh, man, he went through much worse than what we're going through. Yet, he says in verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. He goes on to say, For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, nor COVID-19 shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Paul is realizing that whatever I might be going through, whatever I might be dealing with, I'm not separated from Christ. Oh, we, we have to do a lot of separating from one another, but we're never separated from the love of Christ, from the work of Christ coming down and just flooding our hearts and working our lives. And he's able to do so because our Savior is alive. Jesus is at work today in your life to secure the victory. This is the great hope that we have. Remember what we've been reading here in, in our study in 1 Peter. As we've been going through 1 Peter on Sundays, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith 
for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, going through trials is not meant to defeat us. It's to cause us to be conquerors. To experience this victory Jesus has given us and to walk in that and to walk as conquerors. And we're able to do so not because we're strong, not because we're mighty, not because we're capable. We do so because we have a living Savior working in us and through us, aiding us, interceding for us. That's why this victory is a matter of fact. It's because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Oh, I pray that you're walking in that and knowing that. Listen, I love how Paul just emphasizes that love of Christ that nothing can separate him from. Understand that you are loved by God more than you'll ever know. Stop thinking of of ways that you don't deserve it. Stop questioning why he would love you and just receive it. Let it bring joy, security, and comfort in your life today. Just focusing on the love of God, the very love of God that would cause his son to come to this world and die on a cross for you and rise again to give you the greatest gift of all, and that's life and life eternally. So we see that this victory is a matter of fact, but we also see that this victory is a matter of finality. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you have your Bibles there uh, with me. 1 Corinthians 15, this great chapter again on just the resurrection and here's what we read in this great verse here. Starting in, in verse 50, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, it says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, sometimes we might think, how can I ever walk in victory? I'm just, I'm so prone to sin. I'm just, I'm human. I don't know if I can do it. And I'm sure we all feel like that at times. Well, listen, there's coming a day, and, and God knows this. And he takes it into account. He says, listen, there's coming a day that, that, that victory is yours right now. Receive that through Jesus. But understand that that victory one day is going to be realized in finality when you put off corruption. When you put off mortality and God says, you're going to be changed. And you're going to receive an immortal, incorrupt, eternal body which by you're going to live in the great blessing and eternal life and victory that is, has been ours all along through Jesus Christ. See, sometimes we think, man, how, how can I make it? How can I do this? Does Jesus 
know what I'm capable of? Does he, does he understand my, my frailty? Yes, he does. Because he himself was, was tempted in all points, yet never sinned. And because of that, he's able again, as Hebrews tells us, to make intercession. That's why he's interceding for you. Because he knows you're weak. He knows, man, you need help. I need help. So don't feel like your victory is not something to grab a hold of today. You can, but understand that there's more to come. That this victory is going to come in finality when we are with Jesus. And that's the great, again, realization that we have that one day we're going to see him and we're going to be like him for we shall see him as he is. It's in that day that we see him that we become, again, new physically. And we put off all the stuff that trips us up, holds us back, causes us sometimes to feel like victory is unattainable. But we're going to realize that it's going to be given to us in finality and it's going to be forever. And we're going to enjoy just eternal life with Jesus because of all that he's done for us. Lastly, we're going to see how this victory is a matter of faith. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to look at a couple of verses, verse 4 to 5, as we look at our last point here today. 1 John chapter 5, and I love this verse here. And we read there in 1 John chapter 5, Verse 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. John tells us that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that's talking about us. You see, since Jesus has overcome sin, the grave, and death, we have the opportunity to have life in him now. You have the chance to be born again, born anew, or, or, or born of God, as he says here. We can be children born in the family of God. And those that have, those that have received that life in Jesus, that forgiveness of sin, that are part of the family of God, John says, you've overcome the world. It's a present reality and truth. Yeah, the world can be rough at times, and it, and it feels like, It's just chewing you up and spitting you out at times. But remember our fact. God is for us. He's on our side. So what can be against us? Remember, we're going to experience this in finality when we are with Jesus. But today, through faith in Jesus, we are positionally in Christ. And that makes us overcomers. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me, You may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And because he's overcome the world, because he he died and he rose again, he's allowed us to become overcomers. And that's our victory by holding on by faith in these things. We're God's children. We're his. So, How do we continue on in this victory then? In these difficult days that we're experiencing? Well, we do so through faith. Again, it's not necessarily in what you do or who you are, but in whose 
you are. When we understand and we put our faith in the fact that Jesus died for our sins, taking the penalty for them, the penalty was death, and then he rose again three days later, showing that this work was accepted, then we have nothing to fear. We are in Christ and we can experience that assurance of victory. And faith also helps us to see that the things of this world are temporal. That this world has nothing to offer the child of God. We, by faith, look forward to that which is eternal. We're not living for the things of this world because we know a better reality is coming. And we don't want to get hung up or distracted by the lesser, so we wait by faith for the better to come. This too is overcoming the world by our faith. Overcoming these things by faith, which allows us to walk in this victory that Jesus has secured for us by accomplishing what he did this day. Resurrecting. Alive today, at work in your life. Listen, if you're tuning in and watching this, whether this is live or you're going to be watching this at another time, and you don't know who Jesus is, and you don't know where you stand with God, today is a day that you have opportunity to be right with God. How so? It's simply through faith. The Bible says that you are saved by faith through grace. Or saved by grace through faith. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Listen, we don't deserve to have our sins forgiven. We don't deserve to have life imparted to us through Jesus. But that's grace. Getting what you don't deserve. And you receive that by faith. It's by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what what John writes there. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that today? Because Jesus came to this world out of love for you and he died on a cross so that he could pay the penalty for your sins. And in so doing, by faith in him, he brings you into a right standing with God. You no longer need to stand before God with all of your sin or with all of your good works because our good works will never be enough to be right with God. That's why Jesus had to die. And do the work for you. But God gave gave this to you so freely. So all you have to do is put your faith in him. And acknowledge your sin. And receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And by doing so you become a child of God. You're given new life. And you're given life eternal. If you don't know that reality today in your own life. I encourage you right where you are. Would you just pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and say, Jesus, I want you to make me new. Would you come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior? Would you help me to live for you? Would you give me that new life that I may walk in this victory that you've given me and be this overcomer? And as you pray that prayer, And as you receive Jesus as your Savior today through faith, you become a child of God. And you know that when you die, you're going to heaven, not because of who you are or what you've done or how good you are, but because you are in Christ 
And Christ is in you. And he's clothing you with his righteousness. Receive Jesus today. Because it's only through him that we're guaranteed life. He came and he crushed sin. He broke open the grave. And he rose again. He is alive. And he wants you to walk in that newness of life. And to walk in that victory he's given you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have to just come and talk about this victory that we have because of the fact that you're alive. God, you've done a great work for us and we're so blessed, thankful, and grateful. And so I pray right now that you would continue to pour into everybody that's listening right now and just pour your spirit into them. Just remind them of your great love for them. Remind them of your strength, that you're with them, that you are for them, and that nothing can separate us from you. Help us, Lord, because of these facts, to be able to walk in that victory you have for us and to enjoy this great life. So, Lord, we praise you here today. We thank you. Thank you that you are alive, that you're at work here in our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Lord, bless all of you, and I pray you continue to walk in that great life that he has secured for us. Bless you guys.